VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hey everybody, it's me, your slash fic wizard Holden McNeely. It's a weird one for introductions today, Jake. Jake, what are you today? Uh, Before I do my introduction, I just want to give some content tags. Uh, This episode will have mentions of uh, fangirling. Uh, book reading, um, website abuse, tentacle um, porn, uh, hand looking stuff. at people in the eyes, hand things. Also, uh, LOL, I wrote this at 3 a.m. on Monster Energy Drink. Oh my god, I'm broken inside. Uh, tag also uh, to all of our beta listeners. Thank you so much for proofreading all of these, <laughs> making sure that we don't embarrass ourselves as much as we already do. And now that that's out of the way, uh, hi, I'm your uh, Omega, Omega Bruiser Jake. I, I, God, <laughs> I, I can't even, up. I can't even, I can't even unlock that can of worms or to this early in the episode. This has been, this has been such a fun, yes, today, by the way, I was the Bruiser, we're talking about fan fiction and this has been such a fun ass wormhole to go down because it is i mean i can't even believe we managed to pull this together in an episode but of course we needed some help so graciously kate goldbeck uh published author of uh the novel you again you again i don't know why i said it weird kate thank you so much for being here you again holding slips into like fancy mid-atlantic accent at random times and i think it's like a tell I think it's like so happy I hear. See, wow, it's like your Catherine Hepburn, which, which is great. There's the rom com right there. Exactly, it's my mini diamonds that I'm wearing and uh, my fun hat that I have on for this recording. Gender swapped Star Trek Voyager slash Wizard and the Bruiser Holden as Captain Janeway. We can make it work. Kate, thank you so much for being here on our episode about fan fiction. Uh, we appreciate it, and I want to really leave the opening floor to you when it comes to our gush real soon here because I don't have a ton. I will say I definitely did read a bunch of My Immortal at one point <laughs> at a coffee shop. I don't know why. I can't even re- I have I can't remember why. Well, I, do you uh, remember what uh band's black t-shirt you were wearing at the time and how corseted <laughs> Uh, your boots were. It was That's MCR. Not- I was wearing my Black Parade t-shirt definitely at the time. And Jake, do you have a lot before we leave it to Kate to talk about the not- their relationship with fan fiction uh, through the years? I'm an old man, Holden. I am I am what they call an elder millennial. So like definitely there was a bit of fan fiction reading like in secret on the family computer in the 90s. I definitely 
There was definitely, okay, all right, this is how old I am. The phrase Ranma one half lemon was definitely typed <laughs> into a uh, web crawler at some, I think I asked Jeeves. Uh, text files where shampoo kisses Ryoga was definitely like typed in. But then I kind of lost the thread on it. Um, it's it's never been something that I've like sought after or something that I've like really experienced. But that like that spe- that I definitely understand the slow burn. I definitely understand whether it's uh, a lot of fan content, a lot of serialized uh, kind of not amateur, independent internet content. Whether that's a web comic or a web series or uh, even like. Yeah, just just this thing where you are in it week after week. These characters uh, Im- like almost immediately get put through some traumatic event and they're like dark and have troubles and there's relationships and things smolder and things build. And then like just the author disappears for two years at a time. And then they come back being like, eh, sorry, I was in college. And also like my mom got arrested. Things are weird. Anyway, I'm back to uh, explaining why these two characters are kissing now. Um, And obviously my partner uh, is a fangirl. I've been friends with lots of fangirls. I have been in fan spaces for a while. So like fan fiction and fandom in general has always been in the background and I'm aware of it as a communal space, but I I just don't have that specific feeling of being up at 4 a.m. just like, in it on some super hulak crossover thing set in an alternate coffee shop universe it's just it's just yeah i just have a a a cloud of tropes and characters in my brain and i can't make sense of it which is why we needed a guest and i'm so glad kate that you are here with us today no this is this is my my absolute pleasure i love talking to men about (laughs) fan fiction (laughs) yes please Please, please explain. How did you get? Uh, how did how did it start? How did you get into fan fiction, and how did it get uh, to the point where you were writing it and uh, super heavily involved in it? Well, I have like a repressed memory of the first fan fiction I ever wrote, which I always forget about. But it was actually it goes way back to my childhood and uh, Saved by the Bell, which was my first real fandom, <laughs> and. Um, because it was on like seven times a yes, day after I, school. I watched it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I have this set. I still have these like paperback spinoff books that they published mm. that no one else on earth has ever heard of. But I would just read these things and be like, I think I could write this. I was probably like nine. I don't know. And I did start writing my own Save by the Bell. I didn't know that it was fan fiction, but that's what it was <laughs> in a notebook. And I'd be describing like Zach... Zach's dreamy blonde hair, whatever, <laughs> um, exactly as the author of these books did. Um, so I've I've always had like hyper fixations with like usually like pretty dumb media things. And then I just like I guess I just need an outlet to to express them. Um, but I I mainly fell into the real like overconsumption of fanfic and then eventually writing fanfic um, as an adult um, when I guess it would have been 2017 
um, after the release of The Last Jedi, which is every man's favorite Star Wars film. Um, I Wait, you're actually talking to the two diehard Last Jedi defenders honestly, on the entire I've had to Great. deal I with a, a lot of, pu- yeah, I had to deal with a lot of pushback on The Last Jedi. I was floored when someone it's in my, of my Twitch chat- It's because of my Farhead tattoo that says Glass Onion is not overrated, right? That's, what's, that's what gave it away. I've, I've never gotten so mad about a comment about mo- film until someone in my Twitch chat actually tried to tell me that uh, episode two was a better movie than The Last Jedi. I, I, lose, I was like, oh, we're going there? Oh, we're doing that? You know what I mean? I just like, fl- I, I was like, I had to go breathe. I had to go count to 10. It was insane. I was like, what is, I'm not even a giant, that big of a Star Wars fan. I like love it or whatever, but I'm not like that huge of one. And I actually, like a synapse snap. People are weird about The Last Jedi is, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah, for a long time, that was one of my like, dating app profile like deal breakers was that I would op- I just be like I need to know your feelings about the last jedi and I wouldn't say what my feelings were so that way they'd have to respond and I could get their honest opinion mm-hmm. and if they say we're star wars phil I'm just like I I just I can't yeah, how I can't can, do this I, how, you're not even on planet earth in my opinion like it's I surreal can't. it is surreal how like so many millions of people watched the same thing that I did and walked away with just a completely different <laughs> Like experience, it's but we can't get okay. Well, maybe we will yeah, get we into. To, we got to bring you back for the last Jedi episode. Yeah, yeah, we'll, oh, do, we'll bring you back uh, for the last I, Jedi. I, listen, the amount of of meta, which is kind of an adjacent fanfic thing, probably for a lot of people mm-hmm. that I wrote about last Jedi. And I am a film. I was a film major. I worked in film museums, so I'm like a film, you know, film theory person. Mm-hmm. So I really thought. I was saying something when I would like write these screeds about this film. Um, But I think that is part of the reason why this, it is the Raylo fandom, by the way, um, which is another like uh, targeted, (laughs) targeted group. Yes. um, Hated by a lot of people, but also has a huge community. Um, But I think part of the reason that it's such a strong or was such a strong fandom is that, there was a lot of, you know, like tension and fighting with other Star Wars fans about whether we could even participate in Star Wars like <laughs> forums and, you know, groups because they just did not want us there. So like they formed their own community, really. And um, so I just started reading. I just first of all, when I saw I, Force Awakens, like my spidey senses were tingling. I was like. Okay, there's there's something here. I'm not sure what it is, but um, I was I was like really excited for like this new sequel trilogy. And then Last Jedi went in with no spoilers, and I was just like, "Oh my fucking god! Like, wh- what is this? Like, what what is this?" And um, I immediately like fell into the fandom from that moment, and. Um, Yeah, just like I said, mostly through metas at first, just like analysis, breaking things down. What is the symbolism here? We're all overanalyzing it to death. And then that wasn't enough. So then I I got into canonverse fan fiction, which is when it essentially, you know, takes place in the Star Wars universe or whatever universe is part of that original IP. And then that also wasn't enough. So then 
I dove into um, AUs, which are alternate universe. Mm-hmm. And Raylo has uh, a lot of alternative universe because it's it's mostly just like what we call grumpy sunshine, mm-hmm. usually. Um, enemies so to lovers. Enemies to lovers. It's just like almost archetypes and just very common tropes. Um, and really now that, you know, people have been writing fanfic in this fandom for like more like five years now, something like that. It's like it might as well be any random two people, you know, it's like it, it can bear almost no resemblance to what we would actually think of as the, the Star Wars characters. Um, so it's always tricky to explain to people like what, like my book or other books too, that have been published from this fandom, like have anything to do with, with Star Wars. And it's like, no, they really don't. Um, but, but yeah, so that's, that's how I sort of just like, fell fell into it and I started writing it and and then I was just like it was like a part-time job (laughs) yeah right that's what it seems like it seems like you know especially learning about and I'm excited to talk about the creation of AO3 because it seems like a bunch of people uh a bunch of volunteers from all walks of life uh got involved in um the creation of that site just out of the passion uh, of it with no, very little that, that's why I'm so happy to see that you're now published and you're actually uh, reaping some uh, rewards from all of this hard work and everything that you put in because it's incredible how many people do this completely for free it's like amazing and you, we were talking right before the episode uh and you said you know this started more so on Tumblr uh and then and then led to uh AO3 you also mentioned Angel Fire too though <laughs> I mean, yeah, before there were these like large networks, it was like everything had its own little corner. And I mean, I think probably like Harry Potter fandom was maybe like the best example of that, where like Mm -hmm. fan fiction archives were just like you just had to know where to go. And not everyone was accepted into them. And you you really had to like make a a smaller circle of, of friends in order to like access the fix and and publish the fix. So it was like a very different seen i think before we had these like larger platforms um so so yeah having these big you know places to just throw all of these fanfics and then organize them so that people can just find them and anyone can find them i think is is probably like one of the things that just makes it such an accessible form of expression right yeah. i guess it's like not literally nothing is stopping anyone from publishing oh. a fanfic oh so, absolutely you know. and no matter how grotesque or horrific <laughs> or just absolutely nightmare oh, yeah. it's god there's so many aspects to fan fiction that i find really fascinating uh one of which is that it is this folk art thing you know the way that like mm. You would make up a story to entertain a child in the backseat of a car and you could never tell it again because you were just like riffing. You were just whatever. Uh, So many of these early fan fictions are lost because they're just like on a mimeographed zine from the 1970s that nobody bothered to save. Or they were on an Angel Fire, a GeoCities site that was just deleted out of nowhere. And the the scope of it can be something that uh, like a two million plus word epic that is like almost this stream of consciousness, just monster involving every little character or idea that the author just wants to play with in that week. It could be something as short as 500 words. And it's just like, okay, I just want, had to get, I just watched the series finale of this and I just need to like write this little scene 
Um, a how, ramble. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so, and honestly, it like when you break it, it is it is. There's this layer of uh, obscurity that people don't quite get. But like just the other night, I was watching TV with my uh, partner, and we were watching a K drama, smoldering slow burn romance, and one line of dialogue made it sound like out of nowhere they were going to introduce an insane sci-fi time travel plot. Like it was just an like, and we just were like, what the fuck? (laughs) And then the next line of dialogue, they just like explained, like it was just incidental. They just mentioned some tech startup. They weren't going to do a crazy time machine side plot. But like we paused, looked at each other like, did you just imagine an entire series of events and plots and breakthroughs involving a time machine. She was like, yeah. And I was like, is that fan fiction? It's just like the source material gave you this wild idea. You like it almost emerged fully formed in your head. And now the only way for it to exist is for you to actually sit down and make it real. Cause the source material didn't handle it. It's just like, there's just now this like weird thing where, and, and the reason why there's so much smut, I mean, dear God, I was it's because that Jake or you just you, Jake, really want to have sex with Snape. And uh, it's no, not going to okay. happen on its own, Jake. You got to I mean, write it down. This is this is like the most basic <laughs> take possible. This is so like I'm not unveiling the layers of the human psyche here, but like we live in a very sexually staid media environment where. Uh, almost any aspect to a character, to a world can be told in media, uh, except sex. It is literally the one aspect of the human experience that you, we don't explore fully in mass media. And so obviously people that are yearning to like lose themselves in these worlds, the first thing they're going to like think about it's to, to like, what is missing from this world that I'm in love with so much is sex. So it just it just immediately goes there because it's this giant black hole void in the experience of the world. I'm I'm not like crazy here, right? Not no. at all. I mean, I think I think the the ships that uh, <laughs> to introduce another term Mm -hmm. uh the ships that make for the best fanfics are the ones where it's there's something left off of the you know the screen or whatever Mm -hmm. um where it feels like there's something there was something hinted at there was something there and for whatever reason they didn't take it you're talking about that that, you're i get it you're talking about the supernatural ass pull that they (laughs) they did at the uh end of that whole uh potential gay romance which is one of the funniest uh and most infuriating it's fine he's in super hell forever it's great (laughs) i've got to go away now (laughs) (laughs) we can't kiss we can't kiss because i'm being drawn into a portal (laughs) can't kiss i'm in super hell bye Uh, yeah, if anybody anybody wants to go down, we can't get to, into detail on all these things. So definitely check out the stu- supernatural drama that happened with who are the two characters? Do you know offhand? Uh, Cass and Destiel. Yes, uh, please. Yes, please. Castiel no, is yeah. the ship. Yeah. Is that it? Castiel is the ship. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Ed Larson and Amber Nelson from the brighter side here to check in with you. See how you're doing. Is your day more disappointing than a gas station sandwich? Are you trying to put one foot in front of the other in a glue factory? Did you try to throw your air fryer in the bathtub, but nothing happened because you were too lazy to plug it in first? 
then the Brighter Side podcast is for you. Oh, yeah! Each week, we take nasty, dookie, stupid, dumb, stinky, no good, doo-doo factory, caca-like topics, and try to find the brighter side. Hey, Amber, uh, what's the brighter side of waking up chained to a bed in Russia? Um, at least they have free health care. That's right. So start your weekend off right every Friday with the brighter side on the last podcast network. You beautiful babies. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. All right, well, w- without further ado, I think it's time to get into the nitty-gritty, the history of fan fiction. A tough one, right? I mean, it's not like a, a, a movie we might cover or a video game or something like that where you have a very specific inception date for how you know they started working on the project. Fan fiction is much more kind of in, in the ether ever since really like the printing press started to be a thing and people could even just mass read books in order to start meeting up and discussing. But, you know, we needed these these characters to to come about as well that people got so hype about or these worlds to be created uh, by folks like Jane Austen um, or Sir Arthur Conan Doyle in order for people to get together and start imagining what they, what it would be like if they met Sherlock Holmes or what it would be like if they told a story about the characters in the Pride and Prejudice world. But before we get to that, um, I would uh, I, I would even uh, remark <laughs> a Guardian article p- posited at one point that maybe the Bible itself could be a work of fanfic uh, because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John <laughs> were all non-professional authors retelling a story from the original source <laughs> material. I think it's a little bit different because it's not like they were like fans per se. So (laughs) I mean, you make an interesting point that um, I watched a hour plus video by uh, Sarah Zed, who's a big uh, fandom drama theory YouTuber. And uh, they made a really distinct point that like transformative works and derivative works aren't necessarily Uh, fan fiction. Because I was going to argue, I do think Dante's The Divine comedy would actually potentially count as fan fiction and in fact it's self-insert yeah, i mean fan self-insert fiction because dante himself it's goes to hell and heaven and it's all based on you know the biblical portrayals of these things and so i i would i would i would i would toss my hat to that i would toss my hat to but i would say I, then this then shakespeare would be taken off probably right as I mean, there's no hard bound uh rules about it but like something like uh, the Sherlock Holmes weirdos that did actually like meet up and like argue with each yes. other. And like, actually there's something about the communal aspect and the fandom aspect that uh, this was their argument makes it more fan fiction than just, Hey, I like this idea in this character. I'm a, I'm a do some razzle dazzle. Right. Which- I, I think it really is. 
uh, Jane Austen and Sherlock Holmes that that uh, the very early, you know, Star Trek, I feel like really cemented what fan fiction was like at, in the very beginning and into the modern age, right? And we started getting terms and things around that time. And there were like actual fanzines and things like that. But, um, you know, uh, to take it back just a little bit before that, the printing press comes out uh, in the 18th century. Uh, and so we've got novels and many people being able to read it. Then there's a, an actual account of author Daniel Defoe bitching about his work being, quote, kidnapped and impersonated uh, by... Uh, amateur writers. Jane Austen had the f- inspired some of the first fanzines in the 20th century uh, as they could start printing stuff themselves around that time. Um, uh, the printing press was no longer just something that like uh, businesses could could have to publish. Uh, in 1913, the first work of Jane Austen fanfic was published titled Old Friends and New Fancies, an imaginary sequel to the novels of Jane Austen by Sybil Brenton. And this is actually an early example of continuation fic. By the way, we're going to be talking about a lot of terms. You know, you already mentioned shipping. I think we all know shipping at this point when we're when a bunch of fans get together and are like rooting for two people to kiss and do other things uh, in a romantic nature. Uh, there's going to be a, like a lot of terminology. I'm glad you already said alternate universe is a big one, but they all kind of like came about at different times. So this is one of the first examples of continuation fic where they're trying to tie up those loose ends and explore new potential storylines based on how things ended um, in the novels. And then in the 1920s, gr- uh, groups arose centered around Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's famous character, Sherlock Holmes. These nerds were getting around, uh, getting to Together in these parlor rooms, and exactly as Jake was saying, arguing about you know different things about Sherlock Holmes, and especially I feel like we get the first self-insert fix um, truly here with um, actual works. My first meeting with Sherlock Holmes by Ellery Queen and Sherlock Holmes in the White House by Roosevelt. Oh, I guess that's real. So, the so anyways, thing about Holmes is specifically, which really hallmarks like so many of the things that make a fanfic culture arise around a character is uh, Conan Doyle mostly told these stories through short vignettes and short stories. Uh, and he would constantly throw in weird little Easter eggs about other adventures and other little things where like Watson in his diary would just be like, and don't even get me started about the whole affair with the trained cormorant. And which then immediately all these nerds are like, you're holding out on me? You're telling me you got the whole nother adventure? Like, I want that adventure. Give me that. Ad- Fuck it. I'll write that adventure. <laughs> and so much about the characters, you know, you never got things about Sherlock Holmes childhood and you never got stuff about like Watson's like uh, military history. Like all of this stuff was only hinted at just to add like a little bit of panache and spice to these classic stories. Um, to the point where the the Sherlock Holmes fandom refers to this entire process of trying to flesh out this world and these characters into a coherent whole as the great game, which uh, then ended up being the uh, season one finale title of the uh, BBC Sherlock series that caused its own massive explosion on fandom in uh, the 2010s. Oh, yeah, that's it. So Sherlock, Sherlock, the TV show, has a ton of fanfic. I wanted to ask Kate, before we moved on to Star Trek, um, were you, as a romance novelist, did you get a lot of inspiration, or were you a big, uh, <laughs> were you a Janeite? Were you into Jane I Austen? Mean, yeah, you can't escape it as a, as a yeah. woman. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Right. More so the the TV adaptations and the movies than the actual book. Like I've read, I've read, you know, like a few of her more famous novels, but I feel like I've watched the 95 BBC Pride and Prejudice. Like every time I'm I'm sick, oh, God. That I, I put it on and right. then I'll put on the 2005 Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice after that. And uh-huh. then I have subsequent, uh-huh. you know, ones I can go to if I'm still not feeling well. But I mean, it's it's she's kind of like the source of the modern rom-com. Right. So oh my it's God. like inescapable, like everything kind of like flows from from there. So yeah. wait, is that is is that the first uh, is that the first sunny stormy? What's the name of the trope? I forget. Grumpy sunshine. <laughs> Grumpy sunshine is fucking Colin Firth just sneering <laughs> and just being like, I don't think you're very nice. Ooh, but I actually do. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, he's he's definitely Darcy is like a total archetype. I mean, there's I feel like there's not one fandom that people have been writing fanfic for for the last, you know, like how. 50 years that doesn't have a pride and prejudice version of it yes. because it's just so like they're just such like archetypes mm-hmm. now that it's like you can't you can make an argument that that's just where the common rom-com like plot beats come from you know totally. it's like misunderstandings and lack of communication and you know somebody's haughty and the other person is you know, smart, but poor or whatever. It all comes from, from Jane Austen. It's, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, so much of, especially the most notable ones. And I'm talking about stuff like, uh, 50 shades of gray twilight all the way back to pride and prejudices. Like he seems really mean and violent. Oh, wait, he's actually very caring and competent to those. He's, he cares about, Oh wait, he cares about me. Oh wait, I'm in danger, and that same darkness and violence that I once feared, he's using to protect me. Hooray! The end. Which, like, I'm not, I'm not degrading. I'm not degrading. We all want a fantasy version of a partner that fulfills literally all of our needs. But like, the male version is like they were the perfect couple. He was rich, handsome, smart, capable, powerful, and ingenu- and full of ingenuity. And she was pretty like you know it's just a different set of fantasies and one i've spent my entire life saturated in and another is like oh what's going on over there oh that looks weird <laughs> like it's just harder to like re- so it always like from an outside perspective you're just like why is it always a werewolf or a vampire or an evil wizard or you know why are they always being held captive why is there so many like kind of icky themes going on but really it's just yeah, no, I want I want a badass. I want a badass who's not a badass towards me. That's a great that's oh, a yeah. great uh, I mean, yeah. He, go, go he for hates it. everyone but me is another very common trope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I honestly think like that has something to do with just like the psychology of of being a woman in the world where we often like are in situations where we don't feel we have control when it comes to romance and relationships. And this is almost a fantasy of like the ultimate, you know, like, Oh, it's this like inaccessible, you know, like man who doesn't like everyone, but you know, he likes this one very special woman and he can't admit it to himself. It's like, there's something in that that must be like giving you know, women who just, you know, are, are seeking that and can't find it in real life. Cause that doesn't 
that's not what happens. Like right. those turn out to be terrible, terrible, toxic relationships. Yeah, I and can you fix know them. you don't yeah. want to do that in real life, but there's something fulfilling about it when it's, when it's just fictional. It re- I related a lot to my experience being a, uh, very unexceptional average Japanese high school student. And then I ended up getting, would you believe this 12 girlfriends who were all hot for explicitly different reasons. And in real life, it's just very unmanageable. It was very, I couldn't, it was emotionally traumatizing. I just, it was, it was an awful experience all around. That's funny. And that's, that's the twilight uh, 50 shades too. Right. I mean, that's, and depending on which Raylo fix a little bit. Yeah. 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 That's that too. Well, I I also, before we get into this next bit, uh, Kate, I uh, know uh, you're a Star Wars fan. Star Trek? Trekkie at all? I'm actually wearing my Chateau oh, Picard right. t-shirt. <laughs> Your Chateau you Picard t-shirt. So, uh, yeah, you might. I think you might have some some uh, inside info on this next bit. But it really is Star Trek that, that brings fan fiction into, like, actual prominence. Where the actual term fan fiction even came from, uh, it was... Um, Essentially from these fanzines uh, such as Spockanalia, in which writers took a crack at their own Star Trek stories. Since the actual episodes in the show tended to be these one-off parables about human nature and science, it was fertile ground for any writer to give their own version of that. And plus, people wanted to see Spock and Kirk fuck and suck. Uh, some contributors to Spockanalia actually went on to write for the show, by the way. Uh, another great thing about fanfic is that uh, is it's a way for early writers to get their work published, even read. I mean, honestly, Kate, I'm sure you could speak towards that, right? Where you Do you feel like you honed your chops and set you up to the point where you could become a published author. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it's it's a pretty common way for people to break into professional writing because you you get feedback too. I mean, honest, most of it's positive when it's fanfic because people rarely like critique you the way they do in, in publishing. But yeah, it's it's great practice for just writing all kinds of of things. Yeah. Do you have any hilariously dog shit uh, early fanfic that you wrote or uh, <laughs> anything like Maybe that? not. Well, do, let's not say dog shit. <laughs> let's let's avoid. Let's I, just say okay, I'll say it. I wrote a Reservoir Dogs knockoff script in middle school is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like when you look back and you go, oh, my God. And it was there was no plot. It was just two gangsters in a room saying curse words (laughs) for several pages. And there was no and I don't think I understood what plot was. Uh, So as I as I say this out loud, I realize that's perfect fanfic. I mean, most fanfic is honestly just vibes. Yeah. You know, it's like it's not doesn't have to be structured perfectly. Like, I think some of the first stuff I tried to write just without publishing it was like I was a big Kevin Smith fan okay. when I was a teenager. I was like a view universe. Wow. Person. So as you see, my name is Holden McNeely, which <laughs> is crazy as the Ben Affleck character in Chasing uh-huh. Amy is Holden McNeil. Uh-huh. So yes, yeah. also a huge uh, uh, Kevin Smith fan back in the day. Mall rats. Uh, yeah, I, I would yeah. just try to mimic like the Kevin Smith voice and it, just like probably your your reservoir dogs work it's like it no plot not that his films have a ton of plot anyway but mm-hmm. it was just like yeah i can i can do this i can live in this world and but you know what that's good practice too it's good to you mean new jersey a, <laughs> you lost yourself in the magical world of new jersey listen i grew up in wisconsin ah. and to me new jersey did seem like a whole other exciting you know exciting universe they got everything video rental stores italians my god so 
I think the big thing with Star Trek, we get two things: Spock and Kirk, with uh, which essentially uh, establishes the slash fic genre. I mean, there's only so many times you can have these two handsome characters, right? One sunny and corn fed, the other brooding and I will say aggressively Semitic, stare into each other's eyes and talk about how you have always been my closest bosom buddy. You've taught me to feel things I've never felt before like it's just like come on how can you not but then you also have the term mary sue coming out of this time period uh this was actually you can actually trace this one this is conceived by paula smith and sharon for uh, ferraro who launched an early fanzine called menagerie uh, named after a two-part episode in the first season of star trek and they noticed a reoccurring submission uh that of a young woman boarding the starship enterprise uh paula smith said and because she was just just so sweet and good and beautiful and cute. Everybody would just fall all over. They were simply placeholder fantasies. And certainly I can't say I didn't have placeholder fantasies of my own. There were very good stories coming out at that time, but there was also a huge helping of what we started calling in letters to the editors of other zines, a Mary Sue story. So Smith, Paula Smith, actually decides to parody these horny tales of Trek in the second issue of Menagerie in a story titled A Trekkie's Tale, and it starts like this. Gee, golly, gosh, Glorioski, thought Mary Sue as she stepped on the bridge of the Enterprise. Here I am, the youngest lieutenant in the fleet, only 15 and a half years old. Captain Kirk came up to her. Oh, lieutenant, I love you madly. Will you come to bed with me? Captain, I am not that kind of girl. You're right, and I respect you for it. Here, take over the ship for a minute while I go get some coffee for us. Mr. Spock came into the bridge. What are you doing in the command seat, lieutenant? The captain told me to. Flawlessly logical. I admire your mind. <laughs> and uh, though this is not just something for female characters. Uh, the, the guy, dudes do it too. But Mary Sue, in this instance, uh, was used as the Star Trek fandom was uh, dominated by women, an early, um, largely female-driven fandom. And uh, Smith has explored this concept in the years since. They coined the trope. Uh, she said, people have said the Mary Sue characters actually seem to be a, a stage in writing for many people. It's a way of exercising who they are and what they can imagine themselves doing. And, uh, of course, Mary Sue, always she always ends up sacrificing herself for the greater good at the end of the story. And everyone's, like, surrounding her in her hospital mm -hmm. bed and, you know, telling God, her how amazing. It's so Freudian. It's so basic human needs. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.
Kate, did you ever, uh, did, did you early on maybe, or even at any point, uh, ex- do a, write a Mary Sue? I probably wrote some Saved by the Bell Mary Sues, actually. Because that's, see, I feel like that is a thing. The new girl at school. I can see when that. You're, especially when you're, you're younger mm. and you're, you know, it, it, especially when you're not trying to really like follow the rules of, of storytelling where characters need flaws and need to like grow and, and go somewhere. Um, so I, I, I know I don't do that now because people are always telling me that my characters are like complicated, difficult, unlikable, you know, it's like, which is a, a whole other story, but it's like, well, okay, I guess it's not a self insert Mary Sue. It's like a self insert as a, as a bad person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, that would be funny. Actually. I feel like I would write myself into a story and I'm just like an annoying asshole that just like bothers everybody, which would be pretty hilarious. Anti Mary Sue. I have seen some pushback on the term Mary Sue as well. Oh yeah. It definitely has some misogynist oh, yeah. mm-hmm. like connotations. Now I think though that becomes because in not just in fanfic, but like in just popular media, so many female characters get accused of being like a Mary Sue. Right. Um, whenever there's like a, a inexplicably powerful woman character in like literally anything, it's like, oh, like, wh- why is she so powerful? It's yet another like Mary Sue situation. And so it, it it's just like it conflating, I think, a lot of a lot of things that maybe aren't truly hearkening back to the origins of Mary Sue, but yeah. you know, you can kind of understand it's a character that is just like a little too good to be true. Right. Always becomes a Mary Sue in some people's eyes. It's it feels like one of those like fake news situations where it started in one circle to describe a like specific phenomenon. And then it got picked up because totally. it was an easy, just derisive term for anything you didn't like. Uh, I never did this, but I would absolutely be the like if I was born maybe 10 years later, I would have like a Sonic OC and all my fan fictions called like Antioch the Porcupine, who was like who had like rage powers like like, you know, he was when he got really mad, he was actually the strongest or something or and he had like a face tattoo and spikes and cool blades (laughs) that were forged from like a meteorite that a demon summoned. I would definitely. I want, I want out of this. I want out of this moment right now. I'm just so upset. I'm just saying the the <laughs> there's there's like there's the Mary Sue phenomenon where yes your self insert character is like or at, or not even self insert but just you want your creation to feel special in this universe so you just imbue them with so many positive or interesting qualities that they become this like ludicrous homunculus of a character mm-hmm. and then there's like. It's this weird, sometimes there's a weird desire to take all of the cool stuff that you see glimpses of or like individual pieces of edginess or cool violence or sexual prowess or just anything that is like even vaguely exciting in the universe. And you just condense them into this single entity and just throw that into the mix. Uh, and it's yeah, it is this it is this basic like early writing thing where you're not, you know, you don't really, you're still struggling to find your legs and it's just on fan fiction. All of that is just there on the archives posted publicly and everybody can read it and laugh at it. Whereas 
say you were taking a college creative writing course, you just have a very difficult uh, mutual criticism session where everybody asks to see the school, asks you if you need to see the school counselor. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. So yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Slashfic too, because I've got some good stuff on that from uh, Star Trek. Again, it, you could very specifically uh, draw a line back to Star Trek with Slashfic. Slash, by the way, uh, the, the term Slashfic is uh, essentially like, when putting the, it's like Kirk slash Spock or Harry Potter slash Hermione. It's always, you know, the slash in between the two characters that you're hoping will kiss. And Harry Styles slash me. Yes, exactly. Uh, Holden slash Harry Styles or Holden slash, um, I don't know. I'll just stick with Harry Styles. You know what I'm saying? I think we'd make a good couple. I'm just saying. I feel like I need some Honestly, fashion Honestly, no advice. one's ever gone broke uh, <laughs> shipping themselves with Harry Styles there you go. at this point. I'm going to Harry's house. Um, so the first... <laughs> published instance of this type of fanfic. I kind of couldn't believe uh, this exists the, or, or that they could trace it back to this. The Ring of Sochern by Jennifer Guttridge, written in 1968. And this is a 105-page story. And in it, Spock goes into the state of Ponfar, <laughs> which is a violent fever that Vulcans can get. And if they do, they can either fuck or they can die. And the brave and honorary Kirk, Lynn Spock, his Behold, <laughs> and in order for Spock to live, uh, they have to, you know, vigorously have sex. But in the process, Kate, they fall in love, dude, because they realize their bond is actually like more than just, you know what I mean, working together or whatever. Oh, and they and they quote spend all the remaining days on the planet exploiting both the planet and each other's bodies. End <laughs> quote. Uh, and apparently, apparently though. I maybe this isn't true, but I saw that it's like it's really hard to find this. That people like would buy copies of this is before I mean, obviously pre-internet. This is 1968. People would like buy self-published copies of this just to burn them. <laughs> it was like a huge, crazy kind of controversial work. Wow. I refuse to believe that Americans would be <laughs> that uh, 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 spiteful and threatened by a homosexual romance in 1968. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not the America I know, Holden. <laughs> and it really was all like, at first, generally gay male gay male relationships, but then you have other, you have het slash heterosexual, femme slash, or the lesbian version and real person slash in which the or RPS in which the writer fulfills their fantasy with an actual real famous person Harry I'm coming for you <laughs> talking about style stop Potter Potter I'm we're doing this thing all right I'm gonna I'm gonna write us a tome so wait but yeah that's that's where it was born so oh god you just cracked open two huge things uh Weirdly enough, 1960s, we talked about how the printing press got like all the Austin and Air people like going. Um, but uh, the mimeograph came out in the late 60s, which mm. further opened the realm of thing in my brain can become story I can show another person. And the next big technology jump would be the internet. So it really is the more people can share stories with each other and get it out to the people that also shared this driven obsession, the more the community builds. But uh, two things that you're cracking open with this is uh, a uh, queer romance, uh, non-traditional or at least non-sanctioned by society romance, whether that is uh, homosexual, uh, whether that's uh, certain kinks, whether that's just like people that even move beyond the gender spectrum really found like a footing in fan fiction. Um, and then the other thing, which is I, 
the you, you mentioned Ponfar. So many convoluted. I, w- there's definitely a trope name for this, but it's like due to a series of very unlikely and specific events, these two people have to do it. Uh, Kate, what is what 100%. is hundred percent? What is that called, or what did, what do people refer to that as? Well, I, I think there's a few variations. I, there definitely tags that are fuck or die. That's like a big category <laughs> in and of itself because that obviously creates the perfect sexual tension. Right. There's also, I think, related to that is like sex pollen, <laughs> which is where you kind of get sprinkled with something that makes you feel compelled to, to do it with the person who you of course have a very antagonistic relationship with. Mm -hmm. And so you're also, it's like, and I think this even is going to tie not to introduce this too soon, but into Omega verse, there's definitely a theme in fan fiction of people being compelled by something other than just their conscious body, (laughs) you know, like their mind to fuck another person. It's like, there always has to be some biological drive to, to do it with someone who they normally would not. And sometimes that could be like arranged marriage is Mm -hmm. almost a version of that Mm -hmm. where it's like, we're in a fake relationship in by, you know, there's only one bet. I mean, they're always, we're always contriving to get two beings together (laughs) in some way where in the regular world, we could just like leave (laughs) and not fuck them. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there's a common theme. I listen, my mom sold me into slavery and now I have to live with the spice girls. (laughs) I would that I could. But I, these are, we live in a, we live in an alternate universe where parents can sell your children into slavery. And I was sold to the Spice Girls. And now I have to attend to their physical and emotional needs. Yeah. Jake writes a lot of Spice Girls fanfic. It's very off-putting, <laughs> but he never has sex with them. He just serves them drinks. and it's- I just serve them tea and help baby and sporty flirt by sharing messages between them because their managers can't forbid them from loving each other. Hold it. Well, of course, slash fic um, is t- just the tip of the iceberg for genres of fanfic. Uh, some examples are, you already mentioned alternative alternate universe. Uh, there's crossover where you throw characters from different source materials together with others like Bugs Bunny and Draco Malfoy or whatever the <laughs> shit. There's uh, fluff stories where that are generally lighthearted, tend to be shorter, nothing graphic. Angster stories that are dark and involve sadness and torment of the characters, uh, very much like the yeah the My Immortal thing and all that. And uh, OOC out of character has a character acting unlike they do in their source material. Uh, what what I guess Kate, what genres do you enjoy? Are there any other genres I haven't mentioned you enjoy, or any that uh, or what are the ones that you like to kind of write in specifically the most? Well, if you even analyze it like that, <laughs> I mean, I'm an angst person myself. Hell yeah. I, I want to feel something and I want to like be upset. <laughs> so I, I'm usually going to go for, for something that has very high conflict and high angst. Um, I don't go for fluff. I, I, that's like very low conflict. It's mm. almost like a coffee shop AU, which is kind of a sub fluff thing which is a funny phenomenon on its own there's a whole like genre of cozy fantasy now that's like indie and then traditionally published that's just like (laughs) monsters (laughs) who run coffee shops and kind of have (laughs) adventures yeah and this is a huge hit you know it's like people do love a coffee shop au but me personally i'm i'm always in it for maximum angst 
Um, I want to put characters more through the ringer than they ever were in their <laughs> normal canon like lives. Um, but there's definitely people who only read canon stories right. and just want to like live in those universes. Like if it's Harry Potter, they want the the magic system mm. and Hogwarts and everything to still be there. Um, and then there's some people who just really enjoy alternate universes and there's subgenres in there too. There's like historical AUs where you put them in a different, you know, century um, where they're in medieval times or something like that. There's, um, you know, very just sort of like contemporary, you know, uh, things that is probably like one of the more popular things for people to write because it's easy to write in your own universe. It's very hard in certain fandoms to make something that's canon compliant mm. because people will yell at you if you're <laughs> not well-versed enough in, in the universe. And I mean, in the Star Wars fanfic world, that happens all the time because you may or may not be like you may not have, have read the novels and have that extra knowledge that you kind of need in order to describe things um, like Calf. But Disney said those were legends. <laughs> no, you have to know the legends because you need the vocabulary. Like the, the, there's this like term calf that I think only gets used in like ancillary Star Wars. I don't think they ever say calf in the in the movies, but it's like calf is constantly used uh, in yeah. Star Wars fanfic. It's like the way they drink calf instead of coffee uh. constantly. You know, it's like little terms like that can really help you. Be able to just explain, like, instead of saying a curse word, you need to know what, you know, a writer would do in a Star Wars novel yeah. if they need to say, oh, my God. You know, it's like they'll be like force um, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, like how they called uh, jazz music jizz in yes. the uh... <laughs> jizz wailing. I thought jizz was canon. <laughs> the uh, the God. See, this is why I said all my fix in high school AUs, because, you know, I'm just I'm hip with the Zoomers. They know exactly where the t where the t is i fuck edit that line out edit that out well that's that's a whole controversial thing because there are a lot of high school AUs even if the canon characters are older some people just like to write high school AUs but then sometimes you get situations where you're like people writing about teenagers right. or like this is like Percy Jackson is oh. a whole thing where it's like these are young characters right and there's always going to be people who who want to write stuff that's not things that teenagers should be getting into. But so and it's like, where where do you draw that line? And so I feel like right. fanfic is always like pushing those boundaries of like, what do we all consider acceptable when it's tagged properly? Mm -hmm. That's a huge thing in fanfic is proper tagging um, because things can get incredibly dark. And, uh, you know, readers need to basically be forewarned as to like what they're clicking into, yes. because honestly, you never know. And I think that's something that like Archive of Our Own, which is, you know, like a very popular fan fiction site, has a pretty robust system of tagging and finding things, right. whereas like fanfiction.net in like the older communities, like on LiveJournal and other archives, you never knew mm what was going to happen and it was like the wild west so there's there's all kinds of conversations that are always happening around like what's acceptable and how can we make it so that people aren't like 
stumbling into something that's going to traumatize them because there's definitely kids and teenagers reading everything that's yeah, on these just, fanfic sites. It's all right there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, man, you reading just gave me the best writing. segue oh, ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, reading and writing. It. Listen, we'll just pass a law that says anybody under the age of 23 can't be horny. It's very enforceable <laughs> and it'll be fine. Absolutely. And they can't, and no dancing either. No dancing <laughs> and you're not allowed to be horny. Because I got to write fix, smut fix. <laughs> that's how I get my kicks. So yeah, let's talk about fanfic websites. Sites. Uh, we've uh, you already mentioned it. Fanfiction.net, founded in 1998, uh, was uh, probably the first big one, specifically for all types of fanfic uh, uh, in prominence. It was created by a software developer named Zing Lee as a school project. It was one of, if not the first time, a site was created not just for one type of fanfic. So there was some other stuff out there that was just dedicated to any one particular fandom, but this one. Um, it still is this way. It's broken up into nine categories. Anime, manga is one. Books, cartoons, comics, games, movies, plays, TV, and miscellaneous. It's still the largest archive of fan fiction there is with over 2.2 million registered viewers, although it is not uh, necessarily the most popular one these days. And though it is so big... Uh, and has been around the uh, the longest. It's still just it, it, the reason why it's not as popular. It's it's exact kind of what you're referring to with the tagging and everything. It's 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 the older, less hip fanfic website. Um, and part of this is due to its content policies. It disallows explicit content, stuff based on works by authors that oppose fanfic, for example. And Rice will actually get into legality and the relationship between authors and fans. Uh, with this kind of stuff in a little bit, but uh, either way, it doesn't allow for you know stuff that uh, certain authors have spoken out against fan fiction um, with and stories about real people referred to as RPF, real people fiction. Uh, Holden and Harry Styles being one. <laughs> the uh, the next big home for fanfic for several years was uh, Live Journal. After that, and I think Kay, you mentioned like. You did some stuff with LiveJournal, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, LiveJournal was sort of like the the place for any kind of fandom. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I will say I professionally, I am a UX designer, so I am very passionate about bad systems of finding and tagging uh -huh. things because that's what I do in my day job is like figure out how things should be organized on, you know, apps and on websites. And so when I think back to like trying to keep track of things on live journal. Uh, it seems like such a nightmare. And I can't believe that, that we, we did that because you just have to be following, you know, the right people and, you know, just following certain things in order to like find what you were looking for. And I think the thing, maybe you're about to say this, but like the controversy with live journal, I think they just like deleted yes. a ton of stuff at some point in 2007. Kind of what, those huge yeah, I also want to just mention off of what you just said. And also thank God it was that way because the amount of crazy shit people were putting online of, of about their day-to-day -day lives, much less, oh, yeah. uh, the, you know, fan fiction was like insane back in the day. Like you were talking about oversharing, you know, it was like, what? The, I listen, me and my Zanga community should have my home address. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand what you the problem You didn't realize is. that, you know, maybe t 10, 20 years from then you wouldn't want <laughs> some of the things you wrote about, uh, I don't know, your high school life or college life, uh, still out there online, but yeah. Um, uh, live journal oh, and it did live journal also gave us, I don't know if you're going to get into this, but miss scribe, 
is a whole That's, controversy. We can't, we can't. I know we can't talk <laughs> about it, but if your listeners ever have like 10 hours to kill, there are a crazy amount of uh, like in-depth research on what happened. Huh. It does involve Cassandra Clare, um, famous fanfic author turned traditionally published author. But the amount of crazy fights that happened in the specifically in the Harry Potter fandom on Live Journal at that time, and the way people had to keep track of various alliances mm. and like the different collections of fan fiction and like how they tracked people's IP addresses to prove that they were a sock puppet. <laughs> Truly, truly like unhinged stories. Um, so if you really want to dive into that rabbit hole, there's there's a lot about that online. I watched a video by the uh, YouTuber Strange Aeons yeah. who d- did a very meticulous breakdown. What's of the that. like TLDR on it? What's the TLDR? She positioned herself in this community. Oh, wait, my, we have a guest. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think you might be even more up to date. It's been a couple of years since I read like the, the the reports on it, but yeah, it was basically a person who pretended to be someone they weren't ah. within the Harry Potter community and was kind of. Ex- exposed as running multiple sock puppet accounts that was like kind of playing multiple sides of all these various arguments between factions of shippers and uh, was basically just like discovered to be a a massive fraud. Literally invented armies of fake Christian accounts who were protesting her like pro-queer fan fictions just so she could like be a martyr and right. like rally support. I love it. That's the most internet shit I've ever. Well, that's heard. well. He, oh, this is the other thing. Is like, <laughs> I guess the every single time I want to talk about or like want to be like, oh, get a load of this when there's like weird uh, fanfic drama or community drama, like. The bro internet is way more broken. Like, oh, there's people Gamergate giving away government yeah, secrets. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, just like the human mind. The, we are in late stage capitalism. We are not meant to live like this. We are all cracking at the seams, and it's all public on the internet. Yeah, the Reddit Boston Marathon <laughs> yeah, like bombing just, yeah. thing. Yeah, like, way more insidious. Like, okay, yes, this lady wrote pro uh, cannibalistic mermaid uh, Hamilton fiction. <laughs> That's crazy. But also, like, this guy beheaded their dad for Trump. Like, there's, there's, like, it's, it's, it's about scale of crazy. That's what I'm saying. Well, I, anyway, just to wrap up a lot of live journal and get, before we get into AO3 and all that, um, it was created by Brad Fitzpatrick in 1999. He had created a database driven uh, method for journaling and just decided, hey, I want my friends to be able to use this. Uh, so he turned it into a web based application and then it just kind of took off from there and it thrived for several years, but just like Tumblr with uh, its kind of battle with uh, internally with how it wants to handle censorship. In 2007, there's just this huge purge. Uh, This tends to happen. I can't believe it happened with OnlyFans, like one of the more recent cases, because they literally built themselves as a, like... (laughs) self-made porn website but uh, uh ever, so many websites have to reckon with this at some point because advertisers get involved and there's that push and pull and so they just out of nowhere zero warning probably one of the worst instances of this kind of a learning moment i think for a lot of sites where they were just like yeah we just deleted a bunch of shit led to a mass exodus of users and around this time social media is taking off you got facebook twitter tumblr making huge splashes on the scene so people are just starting to move over to that especially tumblr um but it was really 
honestly still is the big dog, I think, that most people uh, go to. The, the focal point for fan fiction is Archive of Our Own, also known as AO3, created in 2008. It entered open beta in 2009. And the reason this site came about was out of fear of a patriarchal takeover of the fanfic communities, a group of men that existed outside of these communities uh, on fanfic.net and LiveJournal and whatnot. They decided they were going to create a site called FanLib that attempted to take over the fanfic space. And many folks were upset about this, including Naomi Novik. That's a big name in the creation of AO3, a published author who also was a contributor to these sites. And she wrote a post. Just a, It really all started with a simple blog post, and it read as such. We are sitting quietly by the fireside, creating piles and piles of content around us, and other people are going to look at that and see an opportunity. The people behind FanLib don't actually care about fanfic, the fanfic community, or anything except making money off content created entirely by other people and getting media attention. They don't have a single fanfic reader or writer on their board. They don't even have a single woman on their board. We need a central archive of our own. And that last sentence is actually derived from the essay A Room of One's Own by Virginia Woolf, who uh, in that essay, uh, Virginia Woolf advocated for the professional writer. And uh, a few months later, a nonprofit was formed called the Organization for Transformative Works that went about preserving and advocating for fan works. And out of that organization came Archive of Our Own. Uh, Another player in the creation of this site and the advocacy for folks' right to write fanfic is Francesca Coppa, an English uh, performance and fan studies scholar. And she said, I am not in a fandom where you put little toys on a shelf, which I think is funny. She's like talking shit about people who collect Funko Pops or whatever. (laughs) But anyways, I'm not in a fandom where you put little toys on a shelf. I'm in a fandom where somebody is hurt and another fan drives two states over to help. And so there was a sense of urgency that we had to build something before somebody else built something shiny that would make new people who've come to fandom think, oh, that's what fandom is. And uh, these are just two of a huge community of folks, volunteers that specialized in law or coding or server maintenance, you name it, in order to get AO3 up and running smoothly. Copa said, it turns out fans are everything. Fans are journalists. Fans are librarians. Fans are graphic designers. Fans are lawyers or accountants. Fangirls do absolutely every job there is. And uh, head of design for AO3, Michelle Tepper, said, you often see people talking about the archive as this triumph of amateurism. It absolutely was not. It was a triumph of professionals having the opportunity to do it right. Uh, Along with the the pros uh, were a lot of... uh, Actually, real quick, I I was so happy that you said your background was in uh, what it's in with with, uh, organizing, like online. Yeah. Yeah. User experience. User experience. Yeah. So do you think, uh, d- d- is that backed up, Mich- what Michelle said, the the triumph? Do you feel like the uh, UX is uh, strong with AO3? And, uh, you know, or what would you see? What do you see that needs improvement? I mean, it, it's a very, it's a mixed bag because it's, if you look at the design of it, there's things that I would definitely change coming from somebody who works with like giant corporations and their mobile. You know, uh-huh. So you can tell it has a homespun look that almost looks like the nineties internet in a sense. It's mm-hmm. like 
just the way everything's laid out and the links and, and mm-hmm. everything is not really modern. It's simple. Yeah. In terms of there's not a lot of flash right. to it. But in you terms don't of, need flash. Right. I mean, I think there's different things that they could do to actually seriously improve the, the experience. But it what it does have is the very robust tagging and very detailed ability to search. So if you are looking for a specific ship and a specific you know, like trope and a very specific, ta- you know, it's like and a rating. So they they have like ratings, like you would rate something PG or R or whatever. In in AO3, it's like E is the highest level of like spice, <laughs> shall we say? <laughs> um, and then there's like M for mature, which is like a little bit less, and and so it goes like that. So you can you can like hone in on exactly what you want and you know exactly what you're getting into before you before you actually proceed to to read something mm-hmm. and it's also like you need to have an account in order to like post a fic so you don't need some fics you can you need to be logged in to read if they're like locked hmm. to members only. But for the most part, anyone can go on it. Um, and so it's like a very accessible, um, very accessible platform and just very transparent in terms of the tagging and how like robust that whole hmm. system is. There's like nothing you can't find. Right. And they have volunteers who um, who basically comb through the, the tags and actually like make sure that. There's not like 60 tags that are have something spelled a little bit differently. Mm. So like every ship name is like very consistent. Mm. Um, and that kind of stuff is important. It's yeah. like it's not what you think about when you're just like on the, you know, on the live journal days or whatever. But it's like it's it's not it's a nonprofit, but it's like pretty professional in terms of how they handle um, how they handle issues like that it's just such a shitload of material mm-hmm. is that's i mean i think that's why it's so important because the, just the vast the scope of it's so massive that you've got to have this oversight or like yeah things would just be completely lost like so many things well there's like legendarily some of the most uh, uh infamous fanfics on uh ao3 are ones that just have fun with the format of the site itself um, I forget the name of it. I feel dumb for not knowing it off the top of my head, but there's a uh, erotic uh, Gardens of the Galaxy fic that is just the word told from Groot's perspective. Yes. That is just, I am Groot, I am Groot, I am Groot, I am Groot over and over again, but with like formatting. So it's like, I am Groot, I am Groot, I am Groot, I am Groot. I, like, And you can like kind of actually tell where the s- lovemaking is progressing through just the formatting. Another one was Sexy Times with Wang Shan, which was based on a Chinese television drama that has so many tags that it is literally it like pretty much broke the site. It honestly reads as one of those like um, uh, one of those like like uh, subconscious like word uh, uh, word puzzles where like the first word you see like is like a, an omen of where your head's at. Because I'm looking at the list now and I just see. Uh, wordplay, aphrodisiacs, boats, dandruff, sibling incest, pseudo incest, uh, memory loss, bla- blackmailing, fierce corpses, historical alternative universe, uh, enemies to friends to lovers back to enemies. <laughs> like it just goes on and on and on and on. Um, one question I had, Kate, is uh, I don't understand why or how this works, but 
Wattpad is yeah. another website that's big in the community and a Wattpad fic spelled like the electric term W-A-T-T um, has like a different connotation or it's like it exists in like a different tier. Uh, can you like uh, kind of explain where there's like what that cultural difference is? Yeah, there's definitely a difference. I think Wattpad now to be fair. Maybe if I were a Gen Z person, I might be coming at this totally mm-hmm. differently. But um, I, I perceive Wattpad to have more um, sort of like less based in very like rabid, enthusiastic fandom mm-hmm. culture and a little bit more like you'll just see like so many like boy band romances, for mm-hmm. example, more. So there's they are on AO3 as well, but I feel like there's just certain like subgroups of fandoms or people who just are like ravenous for certain types of stories that head to Wattpad and they, they know what they're going to get there. Um, some people will post on both. Um, so it's not like there's like a, a hard and fast like rule, like, Oh, I'm an AO3 person only, but, um, people who are very successful on Wattpad, um, can actually like Wattpad is a company, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they, they can sort of like almost option certain people's stories. And there's authors I know who started on Wattpad and like transitioned into publishing from, from that way. I feel like it's very, not very common at all. Um, Wattpad probably wants people to think that it's like, everyone's going to have their like, star is born moment where it's like, Oh, like you're the next, but I feel like it takes so many millions of subscribers and hits for people to reach that. Mm. Whereas on AO3, it's just like, it's just a site. It's a nonprofit. They're not, they don't have any other like machinery happening. That's like in cahoots with publishing and Wattpad definitely does. Wattpad Mm -hmm. is also a publisher. So just like the philosophies of the two sites, I think are very different. And Interesting. the types of fix you'll find on Wattpad, I think just have like a little bit of a, a different like focus. And I think they're a lot more sort of ro- romance based, mm. I guess, where I feel like AO3 has everything. RPF as well. Yes. I think, yeah. I, and that is a, still a very controversial thing. Right. I know you talked about it in like, you know, this sort of being something that came up a while ago, but like, it's probably even worse now because we have so much access to real, like famous people (laughs) that it really can get a little bit creepy as to what we can find out about them and then push into fan fiction. Um, and that is kind of like, I mean, I don't know. Some people find it very problematic. Some people are all for it because public figure is, essentially like almost a fictional character to us but it's it is very controversial within the fanfic community still i I just want to say i welcome anyone who wants to like write about making love to me i think it's totally cool express yourself you know i completely condone it and uh jake i don't know if you're cool i already have several fan fictions written about me most of which are called a night with jake young parentheses it was really terrible Uh, being disappointed by the bruiser. Um, Actually, no, we joke, but I am in some, we found that I am, I am in also in several, fanfics. we've been on the wow. internet publicly for yeah, well, a very well, long time. Uh, uh, because of the parent uh, or sort of the like flagship podcast of this network is last podcast on the left. Yeah. 
And uh, I, I, my name is mentioned on that podcast because I'm, you know, good for obviously good friends with all those guys, and I've become kind of a char- a side character. And so, yes, I am in uh, some last podcast fanfics on AO3. What an honor! <laughs> I know, right? It's pretty. Amazing. That's that's amazing. I mean, I always <laughs> like putting real like not super famous people, but like almost cultural (laughs) mentions of people. And I am a big podcast listener. So I'm always like throwing random podcasters in references, not as characters who are, who are engaging. Um, and I mean, maybe I should be doing that. I don't know, but, um, it's always fun to just drop someone in there and then see which reader is like, Oh, Jason Manzoukas. I I put him in my book (laughs) as just sort of a, you know, every so often I'll just get someone who's like, who's like, Oh yeah, Jason Manzoukas. And I'm just (laughs) like, you're, you're my people. <laughs> and that's one of the fun things about fanfic is just like that. Sometimes that you just meet people who get the silly things that you throw in there. Yeah. And, you know, you just make a connection that way. But like in the I, I mean, in my fanfic, he's like been cursed by a demon <laughs> to have like uh, an egg. <laughs> Uh, embedded in his chest so he can't like be close to anyone because if the egg cracks he'll die and so like you know he wants to be close to you the reader but he can't and it's just you know that yearning yeah wow Uh, i understand 100 percent the rpf thing especially because uh i'm looking at wattpad right now uh, so much of it is k-pop yeah so much of it is bts um, in my like very, very uh, uh, sparse skimming of fandom communities and fan and uh, fan fiction like uh, recaps on YouTube, uh, apparently the big moment in all of these fanfics is when Jackson Wang throws a party and the protagonists get drunk because <laughs> Jackson Wang always throws a slamming party to the point where like now it's a rite of passage when they're like, hey, I just got an invite. Jackson Wang's throwing a, like a rager over in the Soul Tower, and they're like, "Ooh, this is gonna be." Oh yeah, as a massive Swifty, I have definitely uh, in my brain uh, thought about our how we how we would hang out and all the great uh, times we would have. But uh, these uh, these K-pop fans literally just like the original Star Trek. Uh, present these like tantalizing hints at greater intimacy mm-hmm. and specifically lock it off, just completely cut it off at the pass. So you grow attached to these uh, these actual people's dreams and and struggles and, you know, their their likes and dislikes. But the one thing you cannot ever talk about or access is their romantic life. And then they'll go ahead and like, I got really into K-pop with my partner uh, over the pandemic. That's why I'm like rambling right now. Uh, Like out of nowhere, just like these two like beautiful 23 year old Korean men will exchange a smoldering look in a music video and that's it. And just people, of course they go nuts and just have to like extrapolate on it. It really is. It it's, the like we are storytellers as a species, but actually sitting down with a blank piece of paper, I, like is one of the most intimidating, horrifying mm-hmm. experiences ever. It's just being like time to time to sit down and populate a universe through my mind in a way that people will like me for Ugh, terrifying. And so just getting those base seeds of like, just uh, even not uh, in the case of stuff like Raylo, where it's not even about Ben Solo, the disgraced uh, Padawan. Turned, Thank you for uh, calling him Ben Solo. That yeah. is his true name. Yeah. 
even if it's not about that, at the very least, he's brooding, he's pissed off, and he has a fucked up past, and he's like a hard nut to crack, is like already such a gift for which you can just start sprinting towards telling your story that, of like... It's just so efficient. Of course, this is where storytelling was going. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I don't know how this started on a rant about how (laughs) K-pop boys make fucky looks at each other, but that's where we ended up. Well, they provide seeds of a story. And I also think there's a huge aspect of like you have a built in readership. It's Mm. like, who's going to read my original story about anything? Right. Um, If I'm, you know, whoever I am, anonymous, you know, pen name person. But you have a whole group of people who are just very, you know, ravenous for stories about characters they're already interested in. So you you actually have just a built in community of people to share these things with. So it's also a very easy way to kind of get started without just having like readership of zero. Um, and so it's it's just much easier to to start from something that we all agree. <laughs> we all know what it is. It exists. You don't have to get into, you know, to build a world from scratch and get into like a, a backstory that you have to figure out. You're you're using a shared vocabulary yeah um and that's just a much simpler starting place for people and especially i think for like if teenagers you know most people's kind of start writing fic when they're younger it's much you know it's a more efficient way to just kind of launch into it than than trying to have like millions of people all populating their own <laughs> worlds you know with with fanfic we have almost like a shared story space <laughs> i guess you could say and and that's kind of that's kind of cool. It's like it's just going off in a million directions, but I really only have to know a, a, a smaller set of facts about any of these worlds in order to engage. So it's it kind of creates this nice community storytelling thing. Uh, another general issue with fanfic, though, as a whole, are the legalities surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle Tepper said there was a lot of fear in the fan community, and there were, in fact, media companies that were threatening to sue people. And that's why it's so important to have this nonprofit situation with uh, Archive of Our Own, because they have lawyers involved. Novik said, you will notice there are no court cases. When you think you're sending a cease and desist to a woman writing a fic in her back room on the weekend who has no money and is going to be freaked out you were happy to threaten that person when you get a letter back like hey we're supported by stanford and the electric frontier foundation and we're ready to go to court with you and we expect to get our court costs back then you start being like maybe i don't believe it's that illegal (laughs) as for the uh creators of the source material itself there has been authors uh uh, that have been for and against and rice is a notorious author who has a distaste for fan fiction stating in an interview i do not allow fan fiction the character are copyrighted. It upsets me terribly to even think about fan fiction with my characters. It is absolutely essential that you respect my wishes. And she did pursue legal action against individuals over this and demanded fanfic.net remove all stories related to her works, which did happen. Uh, Douglas Adams, on the other hand, embraced fanfic. He felt it expanded his own understanding of the worlds he created and boosted the sales of Hitchhiker's 
Guide to the Galaxy uh, and uh, the, that series of books. Uh, and he JK died wrote, in the 2000s. What uh, right. a nerd that he was that <laughs> online. He's talking know, about Usenet amazing. groups know, right? in that like fucking conversation. And, uh, we didn't even Ro- talk about the Usenet groups. J.K. Rowling, sorry uh, to those whom despise that name invoked these days, but uh, she has, uh, you know, it definitely has to be talked about because Harry Potter fanfic is so massive and she has absolutely been uh, uh, pretty outspoken about, you know, in and, and, and different ways. She initially uh, was flattered that fan fiction existed from her stuff, at least back in 2003, and she encouraged it as long as folks didn't make money from it, but uh, somebody did. Uh, George Lippert commercially released his continuation fic titled James Potter and the Hall of Elders Crossing, which centered around a, the fictional son of Harry Potter, and this did lead to rolling threatening legal action. Later, um, she rescinded that threat due to the negative press and fan backlash she received. Uh, she then just requested none of the fanfic contain racism or pornography, just, you know, anti-trans stuff. As long as it could have a heavy dose of that, then she'll be happy. Um, but yeah, uh, of course, obviously, uh, fanfic containing pornography, I mean, Harry Potter <laughs> slash fic is like insanely popular, so it's unavoidable in that way. Um, oh, and, she's uh, going to love my new fanfic, Harry Potter, the boy who lived a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this uh, legal area, pretty gray with many opposing viewpoints, as you can see. But for all the folks like Anne Rice fighting to stop the creation of fanfic, there are many people and groups like the Organization for Transformative Works that work to protect fan fiction under the fair use doctrine, which does protect derivative works. And that said, there was a precedent set in 2009 when the United States District Court Judge Deborah A. Batts permanently prohibited the publication. I think I re- kind of remember this. It was a publication of a book uh, by Ryan Cassidy about the 76-year-old Holden Caulfield uh, well after the events of Catcher in the Rye. Hmm. Uh, so it, it's been it's kind of back and forth on that, but obviously this all leads us to Fifty Shades of Grey, probably the most famous instance of fan fiction. Uh, the Fifty Shades trilogy, this erotic series of novels, was an adaptation of Twilight fanfic. I feel like whenever you talk about fan fiction on a very basic level, you know that's the big factoid yep. that one would like to spit out to another one. Well, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey started out as Twilight fanfic. Or if you're talking shit about Fifty Shades of Grey, which has happened a lot back when it was really popular, uh, that's all. It was just Twilight fan fiction. Um, and author. E.L. James had originally titled it Master of the Universe, and um, it was posted to fanfiction.net under the pen name Snow Queen's Ice Dragon uh, in 2009. And in the original, Bella Swan goes in for an interview at a company that is headed by CEO multimillionaire Edward Cullen, and then sex happens. (laughs) Bella was uh, changed to Anastasia Rose Steele and Edward to Christian Grey, and instead of having known each other in Twin Forks as kids, the other changed it to the protagonist having met previously in college. And there's a whole table on the fan wiki that gives you the one-to-one of all the Twilight characters to who they changed over to in the Fifty Shades book. Um, They call that, by the way, filing off the serial numbers. When you take a fanfic and remove all the source material from it, which is what E.L. James did before publishing Fifty Shades of Grey. uh, Speaking of which, Kate, how did you, how is the filing, are we even allowed to, so this is something you are intimately familiar with. Uh, your, I believe your book has a blurb from uh, from Allie Hazelwood, uh-huh. who kind of like broke the the seal on a lot of this. Yep. Uh, their book, uh, The Love Hypothesis, also is a serial filed off fanfic. 
So how does this work as a professional? Are you like you're 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 on you're a guest panel on Good Morning America? Can you say any copyrighted terms? Like what what is the process here? Well, okay. First of all, I don't like the term fil- filing off the serial numbers because <laughs> just because it relates to gun crime. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I think that that's that's it's not like we are fined and replacing, mm-hmm. you know, it's like mm-hmm. we've all I mean, I can't speak for everyone who's ever published their fan fiction with different names and stuff like that. But most people I know who end up doing something with a fan fiction they wrote have to really like do a ton of rewriting and reworking because of all the things we've talked about where it's like y- in fanfic, you're starting from a place where there's an existing knowledge there. And if you have an original work, you can't do that. So it, it's always going to necessitate like a very serious rewrite. So it's a lot more than just like filing off the serial numbers. I feel like people use that phrase when they, they're anti somebody like pulling to publish, which is like uh-huh. a, another thing people say. It's like, oh, you pulled down your fic from the free open website to hide it behind, you know, uh, money or whatever. And it's like it's it's a little more complicated than that. But um, in so Ali is is a very good friend of mine and we've known each other since fanfic days. Whoa. And um, we both sold our books around the same time. Um, she's just a much, much faster writer than I am. <laughs> so she's now published like seven books and I have one. Um, but but we were both kind of an unusual situation because we were I think we were both approached by our agents from our fanfic writing. So they were basically like, hey, have you thought about you know, writing some, a manuscript. Um, and that's how, how she kind of like got into, um, writing and kind of the same thing happened for me. Once Allie was like a huge success, suddenly it's like, you know, I I think publishers realized like, oh, there's a lot of like alternate universe fix out there that would be pretty easy to change, you know, um, some of the details that maybe refer to like the star Wars universe in our case, and to be honest, most of them are things like character names. You know, it's like you kind of populate the story using different characters from Star Wars instead of just giving them a random original name. Um, and, you know, so it's like even if it's not in the Star Wars universe, there might still be some like fingerprints of, you know, character relationships and things like that mm. that you might want to change. Um, so I, I think that her success in being open about what the love hypothesis was originally kind of made it seem more okay for, for publishers to um, take a look at really, really popular fan fictions and think about, oh, like we could kind of rework this and like have, you know, kind of a whole new thing here. But it's just a lot harder to do that when you have something that's canon. So a lot of the most famous and like massively popular fan fictions now that are canon, um, the authors just have to like invent a new magic system. Mm-hmm. Um, or like um, there's a book called The Hurricane Wars, which is based on a, probably the most popular Raylo fanfic, which was called Landscape with the Blur of Conquerors. And it's written by uh, Thea Guanzan, who's extremely knowledgeable in Star Wars. Like she has read all of the legacy (laughs) uh, legends books and, you know, she knows like 
she can go toe to toe, I think, with with anyone on Star Wars lore. So her her fix were really steeped in that. Mm. And so for her to to figure out a way to transition a Star Wars canon verse story into something original was not filing off the serial numbers. It was like a massive overhaul and undertaking. So it's like, it kind of depends on what your, your story is. But, um, I think most people who try to do that, it's, it ends up being just as much work as just writing an original piece because you have to like undo all of the fabric of kind of like what made it work as a fic. So I, I, I don't think it's like a super simple thing to do. And I think that's part of why it's not illegal and why we're not all being sued because by the time we actually publish these works it's like uh you know a lucasfilm isn't exactly going to be knocking down my door saying like hey you know this character who's a comedian reminds me of ray you know it's like it's what you know it's like people read my book and they have no clue what they think it's weird that it was a fanfic they're like well star wars what is this i'm not i'm not being aggressive but i do look at a lot of these book covers and you do see a very tall dark big nosed man and a a slight brunette (laughs) in an updo and i kind of already know well okay and that's a great point Um, And I do think that there's a lot of people have said this is feeling a little uncomfortable and almost too close to RPF, Mm. uh, which remember, audience, that's real person (laughs) fanfic. And I actually agree with that. I did tell my my team, my publisher. I will say your cover is much, 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 much like I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know if I I wasn't. I think it's still too close. I I, I told them not to. I said, I don't. The one thing I don't want is for this to look like Adam Driver, because I really like when I wrote the book, I really tried to like put other people in my mind Mm -hmm. and like not even really think about anything Star Wars. And I didn't want that instant association. And some people don't see it. Like my my boyfriend, when we first got the cover back, he would just email it to his random friends and be like, does this look like anyone <laughs> famous? And they'd be like, what? what? What the fuck are you talking about? And so I was like, oh, great. And then like now, of course, it's like, oh, yeah, this is Adam Driver. And I'm just like, no, I, I don't I don't want him to, see, you know, nobody wants real people to see these things and feel like weird and and that that would feel like so uncomfortable. So I do I do understand why people don't feel great about that. But like, I also understand why publishers want to use whatever they have of a fan base to be like, here it is. This used to be a fanfic in this fandom. You know, I know I know I've been going back to this well a lot this episode, but fuck it. I'm broken. I got gender binary brain Uh, like. There's countless pastiches and homages and like blatant ripoffs and reimaginings in male driven sci fi, male driven fantasy. Like they just, you know, so many of our favorite fantasy books are just Tolkien with the serial numbers filed off. Like it's just for it's just not again, because there's so much weird gender like battle the sexes brain going on. One is like deemed skeevy and the other is deemed like, oh, just just fun. Imagine like, well, you know, you wouldn't have Galaxy Quest without Star Trek. Like well, it's 100%. basically meta fan fiction. Well, can I posit another? This might be controversial. I told my boyfriend this the other day because we were watching. So he's, and he said that's really controversial. <laughs> well, so he's a big comic book collector. OK, okay. he's oh. one of those 
he has the shelves, and I love comic books too, but like, I'm, I'm like, okay, this is overwhelming. But so, you know, that's a passion of his. And we were watching, um, like the Marvel, what if shows, mm-hmm. um, cause he, he likes to do that. And I told him, I was like, this is fanfic. Yeah. And he was like, well, yeah, but it's officially sanctioned. And I was like, okay, but it's basically like, this is something a fanfic writer would come up with. And mm-hmm. then I thought about it a little bit and I was like, you know, comics themselves are fanfics in a sense. It's just, they've hired yeah, you're ta- you're a, all you different were- writers to imagine different plot threads and they, they take things back all the time and people are killed and reborn. And it kind of like the continuity is, is very jagged and it's like, yeah, men have been reading fanfic in the form of comics for years. Especially now when it's when you it's people who grew up reading Batman who yeah. finally get to take their crack at Batman. I mean, that's completely right. what it is. Yeah, it's like cuz you need the you need the the knowledge of what came before in order to write, you know, like a new story mm-hmm. and take it in a different direction and that is exactly what fanfic writers do. Totally. The two biggest media properties in superhero fandom right now are produced by a billion dollar corporation and both of them are just alternate universes. Yo, what if Superman was like really fucked up? Like it's it's just it's so derivative and and uh, and and building upon other mythologies right. and characters that wouldn't make sense if you didn't have that base of those characters to work off of. No, it's it's but one is uh, invincible in the boys, and there's a million memes, and it's celebrated as like cool and selling dozens of Funko Pops. And the other is a chubby bearded man being like, I don't know, that pretty boy's a little too drivery for my tastes. <laughs> I will say, though, that the difference, I think, is maybe like the sex mm. aspect that is not really present. I mean, it's, it's present very present in the boys. So I will say that. <laughs> um, yes. But I mean, like in terms of just a lot of fanfic is honestly, it's like there's a lot of smut and a lot of people read it specifically for Mm -hmm. that. And I think that just makes men uncomfortable. Maybe like that makes it, gives it more of like a a factor for (laughs) them. Even ladies finding sexual enjoyment, but but, but that's my job. (laughs) I don't, I don't get it. I do that. Right. (laughs) Honey. Right. Honey. I honestly think that sometimes there are, there's fix that maybe like men would actually just enjoy this Mm -hmm. because and I've read comic books and, and sometimes I actually ask my boyfriend, like some of the weirdest story, like it's like they're always going to, to the moon to live. And I'm always like, wait, men accept all kinds of intergalactic space mm-hmm. travel plot lines in comics, even for very grounded, like street level characters. But you're telling me like it's a bridge too far to have two characters fuck. And that's what is like makes it like, mm-hmm. oh, like you're bringing this. This isn't what, you know, like the Star Wars is about or whatever. And it's like, please, <laughs> like, why is this the thing that makes you uncomfortable? Like, I thought you wanted this. I guarantee anybody who is that adamant in public about that spent their entire high school years fapping to uh, Japanese parody comics where <laughs> Sailor Moon fucked Goku. Oh, 100%. But uh, yeah, I don't know if it's because it's it's written and primarily consumed by women that it just, it makes it feel like it's uncomfortable to engage 
engage in or it's like sillier or something. Oh, let's get, oh, you know what? Let's get into what's uncomfortable. I don't even know if this is the like in the meta in terms of uh, of fanfic to romance pipeline, but you mentioned it before. The Omegaverse. Oh, yes. is Now, it's been a couple of years now since I've heard the term. Is there like a new, is there a new kind of thing taking hold? Are you, is is it the Raylo rise? <laughs> and like now people don't talk about uh, the the nodding and the, and the pheromones and the betas and omegas? Or is it still very much a part of the scene? Well, Omegaverse has been, I mean, it, so originally it started as, I think, in a, the supernatural fandom as like a male-male kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it has its roots in in sort of like creating a biological and social structure that has like three groups, alphas, omegas, and betas, who are basically just like regular humans <laughs> in this scenario. Um, but... It, it then it kind of expanded over the years to like any fandom can have Omegaverse fix and they can have, you know, men can be alphas or omegas. Um, it's not that typical that the man is the omega most of the time. But, you know, basically it's like can be, you know, kind of like plastered over any fandom. The reason why I think it's uh, current right now is because traditional publishing has started putting out Omegaverse books ah. and um Allie, who we already talked about the love hypothesis her new book is a paranormal romance that it's not explicitly omegaverse i think maybe she wasn't allowed to use some of the official terms but essentially that is the inspiration she she used to write omegaverse sometimes when she would write her fix and i think she was just like i'm going for it this is like what I love to do. I'm, you know, I like to be a little bit weird. And so she was like, I'd like to write this, this book. And now people have started who were not familiar with Omegaverse have started educating themselves about nodding and the glands. So yeah, is there a way to, 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 is there even a way to describe the Omegaverse in like a What if the bestial ferocity you okay. feel at the height of maybe a forbidden tryst was physically actualized by your biology. What if instead of just being like, ooh, I really shouldn't, it's, I have been drawn, I have been, I'm in my brood season, and therefore I cannot stop thinking about this werewolf man. And he has claimed me, and he is bitten, and there's just, it's just a lot of like, discovery channel mating uh, terminology and mechanics. Sure. Placed yep. onto <laughs> human relationships. If I'm like understanding. People want to fuck monsters. They just want to have sex with monsters. And we all know it. And it's just become more and more prevalent now that we're finally uh, uh, accepting this about ourselves. I'm glad my partner's normal. She just reads Ice Planet Barbarian. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say monster romance is a huge genre. But I will say Omegaverse, they're not literally werewolves. They can be. Mm. But they can just be human people. Um, who happen to have a few extra uh, biological parts, but they have some of the characteristics like basically like going into heat mm-hmm. and um, wanting to like nest um, <laughs> uh, and it's uncontrollable urge to mate with, you know, if you're an Omega, you are just driven to mate with an alpha who is usually a man who you can't stand normally in everyday life, but you're just drawn to have like crazy sex with them. And the man usually has a, a knot 
in his um I, I don't I don't know how we all we're all pet owners we know what the <laughs> knot is and it inflates when the moment comes so to speak and he has to remain in the inflated for like god knows how long until it just deflates so it's like a really really intense experience that you can't you know it's not just like a type of thing where it's just like it's done it's like a very you know very intense kind of thing um and then sometimes there are glands that you bite <laughs> you i think you bite the gland and then that means you're like marked as their mate um so it's like borrowing from wolf stuff that isn't even true and we know is not actually right, right. how wolves behave but we've taken that and then like put it into like humans basically like compelled to fuck each other i was captivated by in the I male male omega versus the fact that in order for m preg male pregnancy yes uh the cloaca had to be involved <laughs> that uh just casually in the midst of like this is like he's a he's a he's a scornful CEO that's not letting anyone close. And he's his new intern that's like nervous on the first day of his job. And he needs the money to pay for his sick mother. Also, he has a third hole through which waste and eggs come out. Like, it's just so mind boggling to me. But again, different strokes for different folks. That's what I say. Yeah. Uh, as we wrap things up, I, I just wanted to shout out some uh, strong fanfics I saw. Kate, I don't know if you have any uh, uh, that you are specifically passionate about. Um, these are just ones I looked up on some lists and stuff. And of course you have uh, the notorious bad fix and my immortal. And we'll talk about that real quick. But uh, I just wanted to shout out. Uh, I think one of my favorites that I read about is Twist and Shout uh, slash fic based on the show Supernatural. Speaking of the devil uh, that has Dean Winchester and Castile Novak in a love story centered around the Vietnam War. It is a tearjerker. It is one of those like I got. I just want to read some fanfic and why am I now just like sobbing uh, uncontrollably? And I think that's really wonderful. A really cool like beautiful slash fic um, for Harry Potter fanfic. There's the Shoebox Project, which tells the story of Hogwarts during the times of the Marauders via an old shoebox filled with letters, photographs, and diary entries that's hidden under Remus Lupin's bed. Hmm. And also uh, Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, yep. which presupposes that Harry's aunt Petunia married the, an Oxford professor, homeschooled Harry in science and rational thinking, which is uh, he goes to Hogwarts with. And so the story explains all these like cognitive science concepts, different aspects of philosophy, the scientific method, all this stuff kind of it's essentially t attaching science to the Harry Potter world. And then uh, an excellent Kylo Ren fic uh, titled Life Sentence No Cellmate was another one on the Star Wars end. I don't know if, um, uh, Kate, you're familiar with that one, but that was one that popped up for me. Uh, are there any other like, are there any ones you recommend or even ones of your own that you'd recommend? <laughs> well, my, most of my fics are still on AO3. I did have to take down the one that inspired my book so that's not up anymore but i do just because a good portion of it is now a copyrighted <laughs> work owned by a company i can't believe they're fucking holding back art like i this. do want to say that i do have a couple 
we call them one shots, which mm-hmm. are more like one chapter, like short stories that were from kind of offshoots of the original fic. And one of them is Omegaverse <laughs> um, that I kind of did as a gift fic for fun. Nice. But it's honestly, it's one of my my favorites. Um, so that is up there. But yes, uh, you can read my fanfic. My screen name is Slip Going Under, Great. which is a cure. I was like on Tumblr because of the cure, like the band. Hell yeah. And that's like how all this spiraled. So it's wow. like kind of weird. Yeah. Um, I should be reading my immortal. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, there's a lot of really great rail effects. My favorite uh, <laughs> my favorite author in our fandom um their name is is animal i don't know how they got that screen name it's just the word animal and i call them the the sally rooney of the raylo fandom i don't know if your listeners are familiar with sally rooney she's a like a she wrote normal people Mm. which is like a very Mm. angsty sad (laughs) kind of like love story and she writes like lit fic um in a very spare way um but yeah animal is amazing they're a french person who just writes the most heartbreaking like Raylo stories that are kind of a little out of character on purpose, but just like brilliant. Um, but if you really want to be up on current fanfic, it's like Dramione um, is definitely like the new fic community where people are getting traditionally published. There's a lot of very famous like outside the fandom fix that are just like very popular on TikTok. Um, so Dermione is the Draco Hermione fandom. So more of that enemies to lovers, like, yes, you know, she was a nerd. He was a dip. <laughs> exactly. Their love was we forbidden. We love to see it. So, so that is definitely like the new, like hetero, mm-hmm. I'd say like thing. And that fandom has been around like forever. So it's like, it's popping off. Isn't Mortal Instruments like uh, it's Harry Potter? I think that that was Ron and Ginny. It mm-hmm. had some kind of incestuous. Oh, right, right. Overtones. I just remember seeing a platinum blonde boy on the movie <laughs> posters all those years ago. Yeah. I mean, Harry Potter has like sprung off so many different like forms of, of fandoms, but I will say that, the most popular fandoms, if you look at the stats on AO3, it's pretty interesting. They're almost all like male-male mm-hmm. fandoms that are primarily written by, I'd say, women identifying people, um, which is the people who write fanfic mostly are women. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty interesting that it is still very much a queer, you know, sort of like driven activity. We really didn't. Uh, and honestly, too many people, uh, especially in our uh, Patreon and our discord, were like, don't really don't uh, brush over just how important this art form is for queer communities, especially yeah. as a way for young people to uh, explore, encounter, and even just like give words to these feelings that They probably are feeling shame and just unable to express, uh, to which I say, didn't do a great job, but we acknowledge it, and I'm sorry. (laughs) And, of course, there's the notorious bad fix. People also love to uh, marvel and obsess over particularly terribly written fanfic, or really, I think a lot of times it's written badly on purpose, but there's, you know, stuff like Cupcakes, the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic uh, fanfic in which Pinkie Pie tortures and kills Rainbow Dash to use her body parts to make cupcakes, uh, stuff like that, or or on the other end of that, uh, the 
extreme moral side uh, or clean side, Hogwarts School of Prayer and Miracles, uh, which is sort of the opposite, a Christian retelling of Harry Potter. But I think people point to, when they think of bad fic, they point to My Immortal, a Harry Potter self-insert fanfic with major Hot Topic vibes, um, published starting in 2006. Uh, You know, my name is, hi, my name is Ebony Darkness Dementia Ravenway, and I have long ebony black hair. That's how I got my name. With purple streaks and red tips that reaches my mid-back and icy blue eyes like limpid tears and a lot of people tell me I look like Amy Lee. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, anyways, and it goes on and on and on. And um, Annie Jameson, who actually uh, taught a course on fan fiction at Princeton University, said in an article, it's all there. The author's <laughs> note that tells the reader to go away, the redundancy of calling herself Ebony while saying her hair is Ebony, <laughs> the extensive describing of the eyes, the describing of the skin. It was hitting all these tropes at once. And of course, it's also a total Mary Sue, and it's filled with misspellings, characters acting completely unlike their original portrayals, and of course, absurd graphic sex. And Jameson is of the opinion it is a purposely written as satire. Oh, the 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 extensive author's mm-hmm. notes, which we didn't even get into as a part of the fan fiction structure. Uh, where she hates on her haters and the preps and calls out individual users. Uh, no, definitely. I'm obsessed with the uh, super fix, these like insane epic works uh, for a, a very long time. This is like a very Reddit fun fact where it's like, did you know <laughs> the longest written piece of human fiction is a uh, Smash Brothers fanfic? They're talking about subspace emissary world's conquest, which goes on for. 4,100,000 words involves almost every major uh, fictional character the author is obsessed with. And the fact is, they are no longer the reigning champion. Yes. The current longest fan fiction, there is a Minecraft one, and there is The Loud House Revamped, which clocks in at 16 million words. Wow. I don't even know if anybody actually reads this. <laughs> I saw uh, one YouTube video where someone attempted to and was like, I can't. They just like copy and paste song lyrics. They just like <laughs> fill out fake conversations that don't go anywhere. <laughs> it feels like the point of this work is just to put words on the internet so that they have the most words on the internet this is horrible this is torture um but anyways yeah we've we got to shout out the bad fix but i i I don't know i think the reason for the season is actually really the incredible works that come out of this and really even more so the communities that came out of this and um i don't know kate i just want to say thank you so much for doing this episode (laughs) we went so long on this one and i think we had to we had to do this one justice uh is there anything else you want to say before we get out of here i'd love to hear a little bit about your book uh, as well. Uh, you again. <laughs> you again. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I do sometimes get nervous when I have to talk about fanfic with people who are not already part of like the community that I'm a part of. Like I even get nervous when people just, I have to mention that my book was a fanfic. Right. You're just never sure what the knowledge level is. Well, but- like I just mentioned how the 50 shades thing, it was this like insult to it that people would be like, it started as twilight fanfic. And it's like, that's not, you know, I don't know. I feel like that's, uh, kind the, of I mean, the Fifty Shades derivative. thing is an entire thing that it's like impossible to overcome. It's like that's it's not even like the greatest example of Twilight fanfic. Like right. There's actually very famous authors who were also Twilight fanfic writers 
who even had their fix kind of like reworked and published who are still going super strong. Um, and like for, for whatever reason, this is the one that like captured the imagination. But anyway, I get it all the time. Oh, it's like 50 shades. And it's like, and I'm not trying to say anything terrible about 50 shades, not trying to shade 50 shades, not trying to shade it, (laughs) but it's like, it's, it's, that doesn't mean that that's what I would use as a comparable like title. But anyway, um, but yes, I really, I like, I'm so impressed with the knowledge that you, you all culled, um, in a very probably short amount of time. Um, and it was really like a, a pleasure to, to talk about this. Um, so, so yeah, thank you for having me. And yes, my book is called you again. It's, and I know this again, I'm going to say what it is. And you're gonna be like, what does that have to do with star Wars? It doesn't really. <laughs> um, but it's kind of was inspired actually by when Harry met Sally, it was, it was like a mashup essentially. It was like a Raylo when Harry met Sally, but it was gender swapped. So the man is like the Sally because I felt like Kylo Ren <laughs> would be like fastidious and be like doing his hair and, you know, be more high maintenance. Um, so that's why I gender swapped it in the, in the fic. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's the book. It's, it's like, it's a rom-com basically. Um, but I have heard from several men who have read it and enjoyed it and had no idea it was a fanfic that like, you know, it works even if you have no idea of, of the context and have never even seen one Harry met Sally. Oh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that is my book. I have often referred to Staten Island as the Jakku of New York. So I feel like I'm already primed to enjoy. <laughs> no, this. in, in AUs, Ray usually comes from the desert. Oh. Um, so usually it's like Arizona, yes. New Mexico. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us for our episode on fan fiction. Uh, Again, that novel is called You Again, uh, uh, written by Kate Goldbeck. Thank you again for joining us. If you'd like to uh, follow us further, check us out on patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Support us there. $5 a month, you get a Free bonus episode uh, a week as well. For it's not. You're free talking about the Whizbrew Hullabaloo. Yes, the Whizbrew Hullabaloo, the new title of our weekly roundup uh, bonus episode. Uh, Ad free episodes on the, of, of these main feed episodes, and of course, for fifteen dollars a month, you can join us for a Sunday study session on Discord where we cover whatever. Hey, the fanfic one was awesome. We read a bunch of fan fiction together, and it was super fun. Um, so check us out on that patreoncom forward slash Whizbrew. You can watch me on Twitch all throughout the week twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho that's twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho i stream all week long but except for on thursdays because someone else streams on thursdays jake oh yeah hey uh do you like weird old cartoons and allowed cartoon character man vtuber uh yelling jokes over them then you'll love the cartoon dumpster every thursday 7 p.m eastern on twitch.tv slash puppet that's the name of my little character the kayfabe is absolutely broken everybody knows it's me i don't know why i stay with it but i do because i paid for the model and i gotta make use out of it uh twitch.tv slash puppet jared and kate anything else you want to promote before we uh wrap this uh close this close this out besides you again <laughs> no i um i'm excited to watch all your twitch streams by oh, yeah. God. i'm intrigued now i do feel like i might be a good audience 
for for your podcast actually so oh um, yeah please i should i should become a subscribe a patron and a subscriber yeah. and on monday nights i watch trash reality from like the what? early aughts <laughs> yeah we're we were watching like rock of love and stuff like that so, oh just, so maybe join me on mondays and okay then- i'll join you for that for sure because i do i i am an aficionado on that so amazing yeah my, and on fridays my co-host and i jackie we just like do a total like kiki like pre game party streams so check those i think i recommend those nice. the most. um all right let's get out of here hey always remember never stop bruising and keep on whizzing this show is made possible by listeners like you thanks to our ad sponsors you can support our shows by supporting them for more shows like the one you just listened to go to lastpodcastnetwork.com are true overwhelming power sauce of destiny yes the most legendary sauce has arrived as mcdonald's transforms into the anime world of wickdonald's the greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili wickdonald's sauce to make your 10-piece wick nuggets fries and sprite ultra powerful unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at wickdonald's ba-da-ba-ba-ba go i participate in mcdonald's for a limited time while supplies last